0: Hey, it's Joyce. Every week, I have the chance to chat with an interesting, inspiring human and to share that conversation with you. Join me as I walk and talk with entrepreneurs, adventurers, and all sorts of people who are working hard to empower women and make the world a better place. Now listen, this is not some highly polished, formally produced podcast. It's just two humans out for a walk with the chance to learn from each other. So lace up your sneakers, head out the door, and join us. Hey, everyone. Joyce here, and thank you for joining us for today's Walk & Talk, where our special guest is Margaret Schwanky Margaret is a certified eating psychology counselor, certified holistic health coach with education in culinary arts, mind-body nutrition, dynamic eating psychology, and my favorite, the science of willpower. And I actually, Margaret, now I don't want to talk about anything other than the science of willpower, but we're going to talk about all the things, um, maybe even including your beautiful uh, Bernie's mountain dog, Charlie, because I'm obsessed with that as well. So, with that, welcome and thank you for being here. Yes, I'm very excited to talk with you. So, thank you for having me. So, one of the things that I'm always fascinated by is how people end up doing the work that they do because in my experience life is not linear and very few of us you know wake up as six-year-olds and imagine doing the things that we ultimately end up doing so could you share a little bit
1: about the journey to doing the work that you do yes i would love to thank you um and i agree with you i think you know that your statement certainly resonates with me. I had no idea what I wanted to do, um, but have landed in a place doing something I'm so passionate about. Um, And I would say, you know, the the journey was very organic for me. um, And I have to go way back um, to, you know, early life, life as a young person, as a kid. um, My early environment was pretty stressful, um, pretty uncertain and a fair amount of chaos. And I can look back and recognize that um, distraction became a coping mechanism for me. And so that was largely in my early life through food and substances. And, um, you know, once I got into my teenage and 20s, teenage years and 20s, I discovered that the results of coping with food are not really accepted Um, in our society, right? So to be a young woman who is using substances to cope, and then the result of that is showing in our bodies, um, there was a lot of judgment and um, just understanding that that was not really acceptable by mainstream. And so I leaned in hard to my type A personality. And then (laughs) instead of using using food for excess, I learned how to use it to control every freaking aspect of it. So Um, I became really restrictive and rigid with it. Um, And so, you know, all the diets and all the things and working out twice a day and trying to get the perfect, thin, acceptable body, if you will. Um, And I was really good at that. Um, And to the extent that, you know, that took on another form of stress in my life. And so ultimately started having some pretty intense symptoms. Um, and then through a series of doctor's visits, ended up with a specialist who diagnosed me with ulcerative colitis, which was a you know it's a it's a chronic um, disease where the the lining of your intestine is ulcerated and you're not absorbing any nutrients. And so the the bottom line there was that that was a really astonishing realization for me, and I had sort of created more stress than my body was able to to deal with, and so healing, you know, they said at that point to me, you know, you're going to be sick for the rest of your life, so you should probably start managing the quality of your life, and this was 2008, Um, and so I'm in my 30s thinking, huh, I don't, I don't really, (laughs) I I don't really think that I'm okay with that, you know, so that, there was something in me at that time that was born, and it was a giant no um, to that. To that um, diagnosis, to that life path, and that was when I really learned, you know, that it was my responsibility. My healing was going to be my responsibility, and I and I didn't want the path that I was being told. And so, um, you know, to condense this down a little bit, I, you know, sought out a bunch of natural healing options instead of just going on the medication that made me feel worse. Um, I started working with natural practitioners and ultimately just experienced mental, emotional, psychological, physical healing from this big, terrible disease that I was told that I was going to have forever. And that was a really, you know, important turning point for me. And I would say that I discovered in that moment that health for me, you know, was the result of designing my own life and 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 building the elements of life that cause me to feel like I'm thriving, um, and then that becomes expressed in our lives and and through health. And so, I rejected all the previous choices I had made. I was in a sales job that really didn't light my heart on fire, and I was in a relationship that really didn't serve me. And so I sort of had to figure out what Margaret Schanke 2.0 was. And that was um, quitting my job and quitting my relationship and going back to stool- school to study nutritional psychology and starting to pra- a practice.
0: <laughs> and here we so, are.
1: And here we are. So uh, just to
0: sort of close the loop, so you have the uh, colitis
1: under control, in remission, cured, kind of how do you look at where you are? Yeah. Thank you for circling back to that. Um, Yeah. A hundred percent. I healed my body entirely of this disease that, that I was told was going to be a kind of a life sentence, you know, and um, what I know about that period of my life now, Joyce, is that and this is a, a philosophy now for me, too, is like the dis-ease that was being represented in my body was just a result of the dis-ease that was in my life and in my thinking and my coping strategies and my choices. So it's, um, it's a full circle place to be. It's
0: interesting to me that you actually use the expression, your choices, right because there is an element of agency in that as well Mm -hmm. at some point and it's it's a kind of a tricky thing to talk about right because you don't want to say to people you have these problems these food issues these weight issues these health issues and it's all your fault right Mm -hmm. so like you know we're not saying that and then the mm-hmm. flip side of that is this idea that you do have more agency and control over your life than I think sometimes we feel like we do. And I, there's kind of a balance there to me mm-hmm. in our thinking. Yeah.
1: Right. No, I agree with you. You know, and what what I find is that in the work that I do, I think there are, like you said, there are a lot of different factors there um, that create our current condition, whether that be our condition of health or our condition of weight or, you know, nutritional health. And, you know, a lot of us would look at the results and say, you know, I'm making a judgment about the result that I have. And I think what, what I know in the work that I do every day is that a lot of this is about feeling more empowered around our choices and fully taking responsibility for them. And it's not so much about blame and shame and comparison. It's more about um, autonomy and freedom and choice. And sometimes we have to peel back the layers of the onion on our, our history, just as I spoke about mine and how my history created you know, the way that I made choices, we all have a story and we all have a, a way that we think and I an identity that we hold and that we believe in a story. And, you know, we have to be willing, in my opinion, to examine that in order to understand what is driving our choices. Because if we're making conscious choices, Then you know I can get behind that. You know, if 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 I were to give a just a small practical example about what someone has for lunch, like I don't actually believe that there's a right and a wrong there. I believe that if the individual is 100% conscious of the decisions that they're making and they are aligned, then there's less guilt and shame and friction around it and judgment, and we can we can stand in a place of you know feeling proud of ourselves and confident in our decisions. I think a lot of this happens when we wish we could do it differently but we can't and we don't know how and and so that's very disempowering.
0: And how do you how do people as individuals manage to make that distinction for themselves? Because I think we do sometimes tell ourselves stories. We do tell ourselves that uh, I I am intentional. I don't care. I don't care how I look. I don't care what I weigh. I don't care. And, and on some level, there's an element of pushing back against the messages that the media and society is giving us, right? So there is an element of don't tell me I need to look a certain way. I'm going to look how I want to look versus I also want to feel good and be healthy. And so it's like, On the one hand, I feel like we need to reject some of the messaging we're given, but to kind of aligning with how you put it, like we need to take ownership of how we want to feel. And I think that can be
1: really tricky. Yeah, I mean, you're you're absolutely right. That is one of the trickiest pieces is seeing our own blind spots. You know, am I making this decision, you know, as a rebellion against, what I'm, what I'm being told that I should do by society and my parents when they tell me to eat all my vegetables or clean my plate or what have you, you know, am I making my decisions in reaction to something that's out there or, or are these decisions authentic to me and, and true and align with my vision and my goals for my life? And so that's a lot that's involved in a lot of the work that I do is, helping someone really get to the root of that and looking at, well, you know, what was this food decision about? And in some cases, maybe it was reward. Well, I felt like I needed a reward. Okay. Well, so what do you need a reward for? Surviving the day, Margaret. I got through the day. I need the cookie. That's right. That's right. And so then, then the next question might be, so what's feeling so hard for you? everything margaret everything yeah (laughs) and and that's just me today today. (laughs) yeah (laughs) well listen we all we all have those days where it's like you know every hair on our head hurts or like everything is wrong (laughs) you know um but like once we understand that there's something whatever it is that's driving our decisions like we can make different decisions and i know you know that's overly simplified but that's i mean it is true once we can become conscious And those, those decisions become more objective unless there's not so much of a hook there.
0: So this has always been a great frustration of mine. And maybe you have an opinion or can shed some light on it. And that is, there are people like me who have a lot of clarity around why I do the things I do and why I make the decisions I make. And I've always felt or believed that if you understand why, then it should be easy to change them. And this is a theme that's come up in prior walk and talks only because it's a theme that I come back to often because I've got a lot of frustration around this idea that just understanding it doesn't seem to be enough to actually change the behavior. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, change is hard. Change can feel hard, you know, and my experience around this tells me that we have to connect the the change to something that we want and and more than the temporary gratification or what have you and then we need systems that are in place to return you know us to that idea like on a daily basis so it's like yeah you can have this one aha moment right we have a very deep conversation or counseling session or what have you and you discover that the reason that you're you know nighttime eating is because you're not fulfilled in some area of your life or you're stressed about this or that or what have you and it's like okay well then but what what do I do like that's great as you say like I've had this epiphany and I understand why I'm doing it okay but now what and that's where more of like the strategies and tactics come in and um you know i find that presence and and connection to ourselves are at the foundation of like literally everything that that i'm doing with people like we have to slow down and connect to ourselves and remember what's important to us so that we can execute on that in a day. If I wake up and the first thing I do is like look at social media and run to this and do that and reacting to the world around me, like I have a pretty small chance of being the person I want to be in the world, you know, but if I'm taking five to 10 minutes to reconnect to my vision, like this understanding that, you know, This is why I'm doing this thing. You know, lunchtime is coming. Nine o'clock at night, tonight is coming. And, you know, what are the things that are important to me that I need to reconnect to that are going to reverberate throughout my day and, and give me the best chance of making choices that align with who I authentically want to be, who I am? I think that's really interesting. What I love about that, because I'm a process
0: person. So, what mm-hmm. I love about that is it, the way you uh, kind of construct it is you need the insight, you need the clarity, you need the understanding, but then you just need to do the work. Like, you just need to create the process or mm-hmm. the environment. Like, that's the work part, uh, which is it doesn't, what am I trying to say? Having the understanding, gaining the insight, doesn't instantly change the process and the habits now you actually just have to do those things but maybe it's got to be done in that order right Right. because if you just try to change the habit without the understanding of the why it's going to be a whole lot harder to muscle through it
1: Yeah, you're 100% correct, and and I, you know, I call that white knuckling. (laughs) Yeah, right. It's like I can force myself to follow this 21-day blah, blah, blah for, I don't know, uh, maybe 21 days, but more likely probably like seven and a half days, and like unless it's coming from a deeper place within me. And so once we get to that why, why I'm doing things and why I want a different outcome, I mean, it still means we got to figure out how we're going to change our daily habits and our routines and our, you know, our, our how. We have the why, but we need the how. Because life is not designed to support us necessarily in returning to a place of zen every single day, right? It's like as soon as your feet hit the floor, everything could be seen as a distraction, something that is pulling you away from what is true to you. And that exists in a myriad of different ways. I mean, whether it be, I mentioned like social media or, I mean, every, almost everything is a stressor or a source of comparison. And so, you know, it really takes a very strong commitment to want to change and to develop those systems that kind of serve as a buffer, a protective mechanism against the fact that we are going to be encountering a barrage of suggestions to do it in the way that the world thinks we should. It's exhausting.
0: (laughs) The barrage is exhausting, uh, which sort of goes to something that I often say, which is control the input. Uh, Mm -hmm. We have a lot more opportunity in our lives to control the input than Mm -hmm. I think we do. Um, I want to be sure that we get to this phrase that I love, which is authentic nourishment. Can you share a little
1: bit about what that phrase means and how we embrace it? Yeah, thank you. I I love that question. And it is a perfect um, next place to go from what we were talking about. Because to me, authentic nourishment is, is really the idea that each of us um, has an, an inner guidance system, um, you know, and, and we know what makes us feel good and what depletes us if we're really paying attention. And so you said control the input. It's it's a beautiful, just another way of saying, in my opinion, um, discernment, like be really clear and be very discerning. And authentic nourishment to me means that is what are the sources of input or consumption that make me feel like the person that I want to be that make me feel you know energized and joyful and thriving and then what are the sources of input that make me feel fatigued and depleted and not so good so learning what authentically nourishes me right is is that's going to be very different than what authentically nourishes you um and and so that that brings me back to this idea we maybe bounced around earlier which is like how does that differ from the science of nutrition and the science of nutrition in my mind is you know what are the macronutrients that make up a diet that is meant to to allow the human body to survive which is very different than considering how i feel and what makes me joyful, you know, and and thrive.
0: And then what do you, what do you say to the people who would push back and say, "Well, what makes me joyful are hot fudge sundays on the daily." <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> cool. So <laughs> what so what's the problem? Right right.
0: Mm-hmm. right and so then the problem when you take that one step further is that's the immediate and now how does that make you feel
1: physically and emotionally on mm-hmm. the long yeah. term exactly right and so a statement like that you know well what makes me happy is eating hot fudge sundays every single day i would say okay well then why are we talking about why <laughs> Right. Yes. Why are we having this conversation? Right. Well, so does it really? You know, does it really? Well, no. But I want to be able to. Okay. Well, life is hard, and you can't have it both <laughs> ways. You know. So like, hot fudge sundays are delicious and awesome. And and also, what do you really, really want? Like, what? Like, what lights you up? And if it's hot fudge sundays, like, let's do this thing. Like, let's let's make the best hot fudge sundays every day, and then you live with the consequences of those decisions. But if what you want is to feel, you know, energized and confident and, you know, sexy with your partner and, you know, whatever all of the things are that come from making, you know, decisions that actually align for you, um then like let's figure out how to get you that.
0: For me it's it's vitality is one of the words that I I just love. So what makes you feel vital? Mm, what mm-hmm. fuels your vitality around your life? Yeah, I, I love that so I, much. I, I can't let you leave, and 30 minutes goes so fast. I can't let you leave without talking about the science of willpower. Uh, because we talk, you talk, You mentioned uh, white knuckling as sort of yeah. your expression. And, and I, and I've talked about this before, I believe that um, motivation, this idea of motivation is kind of garbage language because I think that we think that we're supposed to feel like doing the things, Mm -hmm. right? We're supposed to feel, we're only supposed to exercise when we feel motivated to do it. So the problem is I don't feel motivated. And I always say that I think the problem is you just actually need to do it, whether Mm -hmm. you really are in the mood or not. And I wonder if that kind of aligns a little bit with this idea of the science of willpower. Like you can't just white-knuckle yourself endlessly to do the thing you think you're supposed to do. Right. Or do I have that totally wrong?
1: No, you have it right. And, you know, science would tell us that, that we have, you know, each of us has a unique will, you know, a, a unique w- what we call willpower, you know, amount. Or we all, like you said, we were chatting before the call, there's, you know, the dogs that you have, the um, Portuguese water dogs, they are willful. <laughs> right? That's something we can look at and say, like, the, the, this, we recognize this has a lot of will. And so there are, there are varying levels of will. And so to expect, you know, that we can always just do the thing that we think we should be able to is not realistic. Um, And so I believe you're right, there has to be a a greater idea. Um, This is how I would differentiate discipline You know, in many ways, I think discipline is one of the strongest forms of self-love because we just do, we do the thing that is right for us, even when we do not feel like it. And we have to also, obviously, I want to make the caveat for like, you have to be connected enough to yourself. We have to be connected enough to ourselves to really understand what, where is this coming from? Am I Am I just not really wanting to move my body today because I'm kind of, you know, just I'm just giving myself excuses or am I really tired and depleted and I really actually need rest? Oh, yes, yes,
0: I, yes, that learning to recognize that is
1: so tricky and sometimes you get it wrong and that has to be okay too totally yeah totally because there are consequences for that sometimes right i worked out when i shouldn't have and now i got to be in the bed for 3 days because i made you know i i got a head cold or whatever because i didn't pay attention or vice versa you know some we we gave ourselves a pass when we really probably should have gone to the networking event because you know it, it might have been a good thing for us you know we it's it's all i think navigating tuning in to ourselves and what like really lights us up and it doesn't always have to be the thing that we think it should be right this ties into this idea of good and bad you know there's so much morality built into our decisions a lot of them a lot of food decisions a lot of exercise decisions just societal norms in general and so, like, we have to decouple from that so that we can own what's true for us in the moment. Okay, we're
0: almost out of time, and I want to hit you with one last really hard question that I didn't sort of uh, give you the opportunity to prepare. So if you tell me, like, yeah, no, I can't do that off the cuff, like, that's cool. Um, but this idea of tuning in and hearing and getting honest and authentic with ourselves is, is tricky. And for a lot of people, it's way better to do that with the help and support of someone like you, some kind of professional. But for people who are listening, who need to take first steps towards that, what are three things we can do Practical things, because what I love about you is you're practical and tactical. So, what like three things that we can do to start
1: asking ourselves those questions and listening to those answers? Hmm, it's great. Um, yeah, I would love to share about that. So, um, the first thing is slowing down. Slowing down to reconnect to ourselves, and so. I like to use the phrase like you always, you know, you always have five minutes to sit Indian style on your bedroom floor. You know, you just do. And if you don't, we we need to make some adjustments, right? So, right. so slow- <laughs> yeah. we have way bigger
0: problems. If you don't have five minutes,
1: we have bigger problems. <laughs> right. And like, I get that, like, you may not have, you may not have, you know, designed five minutes for this project that we're talking about, but it, you've got five minutes that come from, can come from something else. So if you feel like you're not really, aligned and you know you need to to be managing your health or your well-being in a different way. I would say the very first thing would be just to sit down, slow down, reconnect to yourself. There're plenty of apps and practices and meditations and guided breathing exercises, all the things. Like right? there's a world of support out there for you to do that. Um the next thing I would say get clear on your vision for what you want. What does it look like? Your, your happiest, healthiest self, what does that look like? And, you know, our society wants to act like that's, like, super easy. Like, you know, it's. I get that it might be hard, but just start. Just start out picturing that. Close your eyes and what do you see that's different from how it is now? And return to that idea every single day. And it will start to motivate your decisions. It will. It will start to feed into your choices. Um, and then the last thing I would say is is find community support. Like connect to other people who you believe have your best interest at heart. Um, you know, everybody has a friend in our lives that, that we can do that with, even if it's just one, um, and, and start to set boundaries around that, um, those relationships, those connections. So those are the three that I would say would be the best things to start with.
0: I love it. Thank you. Again, super tactical and doable. And I love the, if you don't have five minutes to sit down, like some changes have to be made immediately. That's right. That's right. If if
1: you're wanting a different outcome, start there. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Margaret, this
0: has been a pleasure. If people want to find you out in the interwebs, connect with you, uh, speak with you, maybe explore working with you where we will link this all in the show notes. But for people who are out walking right now and just want the, the info, where are the best places to find you?
1: Yeah. Well, thank you for for sharing that and allowing me to share. Um I really enjoyed the conversation. Um so on Instagram I can be found at authentic nourishment so that might be just the easiest place to start. Um because I don't know if you're going to be able to, if, if you're walking right now and you can't sw- spell Schwanky, I don't blame you. <laughs> <But> <laughs> my website address is margaretschwanky.com. Um and there's some I would say once you land there, if you get if you get to my website, there's a 5-day um, mindful reset that is um, five days of emails and concepts to consider and action steps and journaling prompts and things. It's quite a rich um, experience. I would encourage you to start there. Uh, and I will i will add to that, if you don't have five days to
0: participate in something like that, that is, may also be a really good reminder that maybe some
1: things need to change. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Sometimes the problem is the doorway right? Yeah, (laughs) I love that. Margaret, thank you so much. This has truly been a pleasure. Thank you very much. It was a great conversation. And I'm grateful to have been on the the walk and talk with you. It's Awesome. Have a great day. Okay, you too. Bye bye.
0: Thank you for joining us for today's walk and talk. Catch new episodes featuring inspiring guests every week and all the places podcasts live. Until then, I wish you happy trails.